Hello again, friends. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two nerds sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. And there are so many ways you can listen to the Geek Down Podcast. So many. First and foremost, soundcloud.com slash geekdownpod. Follow us on there. Notifications every time a new episode goes live, as well iTunes. Top right corner. Search us out. Geek Down Podcast. Hit subscribe. It's super easy. It's all you have to do. Episodes just appear magically. Poof. There they go. Onto your device with literally no other input from you. No, or effort. And you don't have to worry about when they go live or when they're coming, because sometimes they go on Tuesday, sometimes they go on Wednesday, sometimes they go up mm, Friday. Sometimes Caitlin forgets that she does a <laughs> podcast with Jordan, and they don't go up at all. Sometimes they don't go up at all. Sometimes you get more than one, and you're not paying attention. You don't know that fact. So you get a nice little surprise. Maybe you get a nice little surprise on Friday when you listen to our bonus episode where we watched Keijo, the steaming hot pile of garbage from this fall's anime season. So much garbage. So hot. So much garbage. We can briefly touch on because, oh, God, this might be the hate watch for the season. No. We've taken to watching it at work, but we'll get to that no. later, <laughs> later in updates. Um, yeah. It's the Geek Down Podcast. It's the Geek Down, Down Podcast. Podcast. Back again for another week. This is episode 37. 37, yeah. 37. Almost as old as me. <laughs> Almost. Not Almost. quite. Because it's birthday week. Birthday week. Yay! I always think birthday week is exciting. Jordan does not. Ugh, ridiculous. Jordan is like, let's just endure this and get it over with <laughs> as quickly as possible. Hey, Although someone what? did ask me if there was going to be an amazing, you know, Jordan slideshow. There should be. There should not be. Uh, hey, guess what? Hey. It's always your birthday! Yeah, by the time you're listening to this, friends, I might be sitting in the dark, filled with existential angst about how little I've accomplished in my life. But hey, sir, a podcast. Woo! Birthday podcast! <laughs> Did that this year. Uh, had my first, my first outing. Because last year, I had like, you know, a thing. I threw like a thing. Yeah, you had a th- it was a great thing. And like a bunch of people came out and it was really cool, but it was like so good. I don't think it can be duplicated. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that every year. Let's be honest, some of y'all I don't really talk to as much as I used to, so I can't really bank that y'all would show up. And some people have gone off and had kids and Yeah, you know, so life, the country. life goes on. You can't bank that all these people are just gonna, you know, come roll out and dance to, you know, nineties R and B and house music. It was so good. It was really good. Um so I'm just kind of doing like it seems like I'm doing like individual things. Yeah. With individual friends. So last night I had my first one, went out to the uh the Dirty Bird here in Toronto. Actually, Etobicoke was where we ended up. What is that? The Swiss Chalet. <gasps> that's what they call it? Well, <laughs> I don't think that's what they call it, no. Well, you know what I meant. The important they. <laughs> the the people. They call it the Dirty and Bird. And the hearts of the people, yes. It's called the Dirty I Bird. I had no idea. I love Swiss Chalet. I'm addicted to the, the Swiss Chalet sauce. Yeah. Uh, and the cocaine they sprinkle <laughs> in it. Americans slash Europeans slash Asians. Uh, in Canada, there is a chain of restaurants called the Swiss Chalet. It is, I don't think, either Swiss nor very chalet-like. No, it's not. Um, primarily, they deal in roasted chickens. Yes, they do. The, the, the quarter chicken, white meat, staple of any Canadian's diet. Uh, I always go for dark meat. Oh! <laughs> and I drown everything in sauce. And they have this, this magnificence known as chalet sauce. 
it's ambrosia. Kind of, it's yeah, it's 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 salty. It's definitely salty. I don't know after sodium what the next ingredient is, but cocaine. I told you <laughs> sodium and cocaine. Um, and it goes great with the with the heated heated roll they bring you with your quarter chicken dinner and French or fries. your fries and, and your chicken. The best thing to do is to take the roll, put some French fries in there, put some chicken, and dip the oh. whole thing in sauce. Where were you yesterday? <laughs> oh, man. I wish I was invited. I love Sochelle so much. It would have been amazing. <laughs> and listen, I don't know what you women do with your sauce. Okay. The sauce comes in like a tiny kind of like a ramekin on the side of your... Yeah. Like a little dish. Like the size of like a, what a finger bowl dish. A little bigger than what, like a finger bowl dish, yeah. for which you also get because the Sochelle is a classy establishment. <laughs> you get that finger bowl. I don't... You know, skimp on the sauce. I dip lots of thing in, things in the sauce. Yeah. But I usually have, like, you know, a third to half of my sauce <gasps> left over when I'm done. And then I look across the table, and whatever woman I'm with, gone. I scraping. Don't, I don't understand. Like My I... ex-girlfriend used to order two. She used to order an yeah. extra. And still take my leftovers. <laughs> yeah. I would just... I If it wasn't um, disgusting, I would just drink it. I'm not going to say I never have. <laughs> we shouldn't let people know these things about us. <laughs> yeah, I drink chalet sauce and I'm going to be 39, whatever. Um, you can make it at home. It's never the same for one. And it's also much, it's a complicated process. I. It's not just like, you know, you think it'd be like making gravy, right? Like, you know, you get the gravy packet, you put it in the saucepan, you put some water in it, you stir it till it thickens and whatever. No, there's like a four-step process to I chalet sauce. would not even attempt it. Just boiling water, and then you add cold water, and then you add something else, and what? you add butter. I don't know. It, it, it's more complicated. I did it once, and it was worth it, but it took like 45 minutes. And I was like, this really? Worth no, this much 45 for chalet minutes? Sauce? No, when I can just walk to a Swiss chalet 30 <laughs> minutes away, it is not worth it. Uh, and then following following the outing um oh also yes shouts to my companion for the evening who uh for my gift decided friends you might not know this about me because on well you might because if you only know me from this show and the one photograph of the two of us that's been posted you might guess that i have dandyish tendencies maybe a little bit yeah usually i'm like a ball cap and you know t-shirt sweater guy Mm -hmm. you know fly kicks camo pants that tends to be my jam intelligent hoodlum shall we say (laughs) I color coordinate, but keep it, you know, fly. But I do love, should the opportunity present itself, if a tie is required, if a jacket is required, I get a little extra. Yeah. I believe I wear a pink tie to your to your birthday. You with a blue sweater. If you really wanted to, you could go for Halloween as Doctor Who. Let's not shit ourselves. That would lead to people assuming I have an affinity for Doctor Who that I do not have. And those are not conversations I want Though to have. Though you do think bow ties are cool. I do think bow ties are cool. Matt Smith and Eleven and I agree on that much, at least. Because that's what I got for my companion for the evening for my birthday. A, a trio of pocket square bow tie. You got that? You got separate. Swiss Chalet? And I went bowling. My God, that is a good birthday. Uh, and that's just part one. Um... I only ever go bowling with the person I was with that night. Uh, she bowls in a gay league. She's not gay, but she bowls in a gay league. She has her own ball, has her own Does shoes. She? Oh yeah! Wow, that's dedication. And the last time I went with her, I feel like I had like a respectable showing. I feel like I bowled like one forty on one of my games, and okay. I was like, "Oh shit, that's like you know, that's respectable." Yeah. There was no such respect <laughs> this time. I think I, I think I the highest I bowled was like a ninety something. Um, and I would, have, I would smash like two strikes in a row, followed by a spare, and then like four gutter balls. Like, 
because because I'm friends because I'm fat. Yeah. I feel like I have to get the ball like around McGirth. <laughs> so I invariably end up like swooping my arm up. Yeah. Like diagonally. Which puts a spin on the ball, which just sends it into the gutter. And this yeah. happened over and over again. It's probably also a little distracted because it was rock and roll night. And there were very alarming displays of masculinity going around. Like what? I don't know what about, you know, getting a strike requires you to turn to your companions for the evening and go. And like, put your, put your fucking arms up in the air. And like, they were just really excited. Lots of guys in Blue Jays jerseys and like everybody's boyfriend haircuts. Like. You know, everybody's like the fade, like it starts you know, really close shaved and then it fades up into like oh. very much longer. It's the everybody's boyfriend haircut. Yeah. Um, it's better than the tin tin. What is the tin? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the faux hawk where all like went no, up no, to no. The point. It, it was it was in back in the two thousand early two thousands um, where it would just it, you had hair, but you would just do the swoop at the front. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't. Even, a, it wasn't I guess even it's not a faux hawk because it didn't it go. Just, yeah, it didn't go all the way down your head. It was just, just like the one, boom, the one point at the top. Yeah. Yeah, that was maybe a worse look. But yeah, like it's just rock and roll, fam. It ain't that serious. You ain't got to like every time you hey, pick up a spare. Some people don't have a podcast in their lives, so they gotta find something. But to I do, and consider this enjoy. the podcast. <laughs> um, that's how my week's going so far. That's, your week? That's fantastic. Uh, it's been busy, but not crazy. There's been a lot of watching of things. That's good. Yes, I don't know if I should leave it for updates or if people are curious. But uh, there's been a lot of food wars watching. So much food wars. Still can't get over that. <laughs> See, friends, you, real, you realize like the, the rules of the podcast are like hashtag save it for the pod. But once we talk about it on the podcast, it's yeah. like game on. All bets are off. <laughs> and my Facebook has been blowing up. I believe the first one was all caps, autumn elections? <laughs> Question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> It's like, oh man, she's gonna make me rewatch it again with her just so we can talk about it. Um, yeah, I've watched way more than it was just so easy to watch, but I'm at the point where I kinda overloaded and there was just way too much fan service mm-hmm. and I had to like tap out. O D for a minute. Well I got I got past the um in the autumn elections, I got past for so second season. You're on second season already? Yeah. I got past No, pu- no. <laughs> what? Hold, hold up. Clarification okay. for All the right. people. Yeah. The first season of Food Wars yeah. was 26 episodes. Yeah, that's right. You were on episode six the last time I saw you. <laughs> Actually, I re- I realized I was I was halfway through episode seven, technically. Fair. <laughs> you watched 19 episodes <laughs> yeah, at did. least? I did. There, I told you there was a lot of watching of stuff. Yeah. Well, I would... I would Get all my way home from work, I would watch some, an episode. And then I'd get home and I'd want to chill out for like an hour. So I was like, I guess I'll watch some Food Wars. Unlimited wind data, man. Well, no, I, well, yes. The, for the I can't, I can't watch anime on the bus. Yes, so. But yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. But I got to the curry portion of the autumn elections or when they're all trying to get ranked for the autumn elections. Mm. And. There was, like, group A and group B, yeah. and I couldn't, like, I, I got through that, and there was just so much fan service. Was there? Oh, the the heads of each of the panel who were judging were these twins, and both of them had ginormous bosoms, and that's, like, all you saw at all times. I vaguely remember that, yeah. And just, like, I was explaining to someone, yes, there is a character who is nude 
a lot of the time with just an apron on. But that is one, that is one male who dresses like that. There are like half a dozen women or more who you, they just, every time they talk, it's just pointed at their boobs or their butt. That's it. Yes. But I mean, that, that one dude, the old, uh, Soma's dad's old rival from, yeah, they got the short buzz cut. Doesn't he have like a naked inspirational moment with Soma in the hot tub at the hotel resort? One, one, that's it. One. I'm just, I'm just saying. Hey, hey. Curry guy, his butt jiggled every time he came up with a good curry and his shirt got blown off. Maybe, or maybe if one of the, you know, glasses kid, I don't know, he had something happen where all his clothing fell off and all his parts bounced around. Maybe, but it's just too much to take sometimes, especially when you watch that many episodes in a row. Well, you did that to yourself. Yeah, I know. I know that. I'm just saying that I need to take a little bit of a break. Well, I mean, I, w- I didn't know how I was going to bring this up or if I was going to bring this up, but some- something that might help you in the future okay. with your fan service consumption. Um, I feel like she's become like the unofficial like third chair of this podcast, but <laughs> hi, Amelia. Um, she has started a site. When I first saw it, I didn't know. I didn't know she was involved with it. And when I first saw it, I thought, I wonder if she's involved with that. <laughs> uh, a site called AnimeFeminist.com, which is currently uh, being run by Amelia Cook, our fr- friend of the show, Amelia Cook, who has started to really kind of speak out and do a lot of writing to try to elevate the dialogue about things like fan service or just, you know, Blech. let's think about the anime we watch a little bit. She had written a bunch of pieces for the Mary Sue. She had written something... For she maybe written something for Kotaku at one point. Um, she's now putting all her efforts into this site called Anime Feminist, which is not meant to be just like her. Yeah, she's really reaching out to other writers. Specifically, she wants to reach out to other Japanese writers uh, to really get a sense, specifically Japanese women, to get a sense of like how's this stuff fly over there. Nobody really talks about it that much. We really don't have any idea. Yeah. And when, you know, people who, dudes who are immediately threatened <laughs> by like, how dare you want to take away my precious jiggliness, they always rattle off like, you just don't understand it. It's a different culture. I forget the fact that she's got a fucking master's slash PhD in Japanese studies or whatever. But it would be nice to be able to like, well, let's ask a Japanese woman. Yeah. So that's out there in the world now. Uh, I believe she started by reviewing everything on the false slate really <laughs> that at least that crunchy roll had including keijo surprise she didn't hate it <laughs> because she at least respects its honesty for what it is and she yeah. said she says i have not seen these other shows she's referring to but she says there are other shows this season that have been kind of sinister in its fan service well again as i said when we did our special episode It's fine. It's great that it's sort of totally open about what it is. But the problem is, is that there's just so much of that and very little on the other side. Well, now you have a resource. I have a resource. You have AnimeFeminist.com. You can swing by there and be like, is there anything that isn't like this? Yeah. And they will will tell you about it. So, um, these things cost money to do well. Yes, they do. They have a Patreon. 
if you respect what they're doing and you would like to help them out, toss them a few dollars. I'm sure every bit helps and it would be greatly appreciated towards paying the writers and the people involved. And uh, yeah, greatly enjoyed watching, um, you know, the IGN anime board, which is when I first like Kotaku had interviewed Amelia about this project. And you should find that you should dig that up. It's a good it's a good interview where she basically says, you know, it's not about trying to take anything away. It's not about like putting rules on anything. It's about like, just just let's have a conversation. Just think about it. Just elevate the conversation a little bit. More discussion maybe means more things. Which would be nice. For people who don't want to watch jiggly things. Which would be nice. But or mo- want to watch different types of jiggly things, <laughs> as the case may be. But most people just see the headline and go, you're trying to take away my jiggly things. And <laughs> hey, even if she is, who cares? Why are you that attached to your jiggly things? Hey, like I said, lots of people don't have a podcast in their life. But here's here's the ultimate takeaway. And one day I feel I'm just going to ha- I'm going to end up on the IGN board. I'm just going to leave this comment and inform them like, hey, fam, I'm turning notifications off so y'all can have at it and argue amongst yourselves. But don't think I'm coming back and stepping into it. I just want you to think about this. And this stems from like my growing frustration at the KJO conversations and everything else. Dudes. You don't get to tell women what they can or can't be offended by as a woman. No. If a woman says they're offended by something, the response is not to then try to rational them out of their offense. No. Because they're coming from someplace you don't understand. True. Maybe your role in that point is to shut the fuck up and listen to what they're saying. Words. Try that for a change. Just try it. Give it a try. Try something new. Sometimes, you know, you try... Try have try calamari. Maybe it's delicious. Maybe shutting the fuck up is awesome, too. Why don't you give it a try? It's a possibility. Anyway. AnimeFeminist.com. Salute to you, as always, Amelia. We love you. We do. I'm just glad, you know. I'm Again, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that there's being, there's conversations about this, because now that I'm watching something <laughs> like this, I'm, I'm understanding more. That's why I said, you've, you've leveled up. You, you are now experiencing what many of us have experienced, where it's like, it's like, this show is so great, but I have to close my laptop if someone comes in the room while I'm watching it. Actually, at one point... Uh, there was a conversation had by senior correspondent and I where he poked his head in and went, what the hell are you watching? Because it sounded, if you were not <laughs> wa- like looking at it, it sounded very much like it could possibly be maybe some hentai because of all the groaning and squealing. Apples are just so delicious, Caitlin. Yeah, and the steam is so intoxicating. Listen, it's Honeycrisp apple season. I'm not going to say I haven't <laughs> had that sort of reaction when a Honeycrisp has burst in my mouth like that. Are your clothes have exploded off? Yes. And you've been transported to another land? It was very embarrassing at the Brickworks Farmer's Market. <laughs> it's like, this is the best apple I've ever had. And they were like, sir, you have to leave. <laughs> and some people who were not watching the display thought porn was going on because that's... Because they don't understand the subtleties of the narrative being told. <laughs> Blah. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, so, Doctor Who. Hey, there's something that's never come up on the show. Ve- or very rarely. <laughs> even though it's in, like, the tagline for the show. Do you even like Doctor Who anymore? Yeah, of course I like Doctor Who. All right. 
I just, it's not been like this whole. 37 episodes, it's never come up on the show. There is one, that is not true. And there is one, there's only one episode this year. Oh. So it's not, there's so many other things. There's so many food board, more episodes to watch, Jordan. Anyways, Doctor Who. Yeah. James Whitbrook writes for io9 that the best Doctor Who stories of 2016 will not be aired on TV at all and will not star the current Doctor. Well. Instead, three radio plays are being released by a company called uh, Big Finish. They've done some radio plays before, but usually with the older Doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, These radio plays will feature the 10th Doctor. It's called the 10th Doctor Adventures. There are three of them, like I said. And David Tennant and Catherine Tate will be coming back. Huzzah. Yeah, this is super exciting. Catherine Tate played uh, the companion Donna Noble, who was my favorite companion of all the Tenth Doctor's companions. I don't even know who that one was. Oh, she's the redhead. You probably thought she was obnoxious. I don't even know if I got to her. I don't know. He was with Rose the entire time before I had enough of Doctor Who. Okay, yeah, you have no idea who she is. But she had fantastic, amazing, funny chemistry with David Tennant. And they actually went on to go do some Shakespeare together because their chemistry was so good. Yeah, I have a vague understanding of who you're talking about. I think I have a friend who saw them do Shakespeare and I recognize the face. But yeah, I have no idea who the character is. Anyways, they're coming back to do some radio plays. I'm super excited about this. And there may be some Doctor Who radio plays in your future. (laughs) Thanks, Big Finish. Boy, oh boy. Thanks for that. So anyone who's into Doctor Who or into radio plays, definitely look out for this. I am super, super excited and will probably listen to them and then force them on Jordan. And who doesn't love that? Fun times. Hey. Hey. Wonder Woman. What about Wonder Woman? She's queer. Is she? Confirmed. By? Greg Rucka. For what reason? Just makes sense. Well, yeah, but I just mean, like, did it come up in an interview or... Uh, I I haven't been reading all of... I've only read a couple issues of the Greg Rucka Wonder Woman book that he's been doing as part of DC's Rebirth Initiative. But he's kind of doing, like, a year one thing. And as he has been, you know, depicting the paradise of Themyscira, some people have kind of been like, has Wonder Woman been engaging in same-sex relationships? And Greg Rucka's kind of been like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that came up before with the Wonder Woman you gave me The Earth One book, yeah, yeah, that came up before. And he gave an interview with, forgive me, I forget the site, but I read it this morning and I can throw it on the Facebook group, which is at... Oh, jeez, you're looking at me. www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. Um, So when I find this interview again, I will throw it there. But basically, Rucka kind of said, like, you know, if I'm writing about a place that's supposed to be paradise, does paradise not have romance sexual activity probably has all those things it does it just would. so happens this paradise is exclusively populated by women but at the same time it's kind of cool that rucka was not trying to downplay the notion that this makes wonder woman queer like the interviewer asked him about it and he kind of gave the explanation i just did and then the interviewer was like yeah i guess it makes sense it's just the environment and rucka was like no no like She's a queer character. Like, let's... I don't want to minimize that. Like, that's part of who the character is. Yeah. She just loves people. If she loves somebody, she loves them. It doesn't matter about what's swanging or not swanging. I like that. Between their bits. Um, And this just ties into things we've said a bunch of different times about representation and how you have all these queer kids out there who can 
know for a fact that one of the holy trinity of superheroes, you know, it's Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Like, those are those are the three. Those are the statues. Um, that one of those probably understands them a little more than Batman would. Maybe a little bit. Well, Batman gets pretty gay sometimes. Actually, I think that makes the most sense. That Batman's gay? Yeah. He has a lot of frustration. I don't think anybody's... Re- ever since the whole, like, you know, seduction of the innocent thing, where <laughs> basically that psycho... Do you, know, do you not know your comics history about this? No. Um, a psychiatrist named Dr. Frederick Wortham, I believe his name was, yeah, wrote a book called Seduction of the Innocent. Okay. Uh, specifically about how comic books were, like, corrupting the youth. Oh, my God. And part of it in that was basically, like, Batman's banging Robin. Oh! Like, <gasps> scandalous yes i mean it makes sense but (laughs) and this then led to why there was the comics code and also why batman got campy in the 60s and huh all that sort of thing comics code really hung around until like the early 2000s wow like it wasn't even like it wasn't a big deal when marvel dropped it at that point where they were like why are we even doing this anymore like nobody cares um but yeah, there was a, the formation of the Comics Code Authority, and they had to approve everything that came out. That's crazy. I didn't. I didn't know any of that. No, there you go. Learning. Yay! There's your, de- there's your geek down detour for the day. <laughs> okay. Well, then, um, speaking about other superhero ladies, Scarlett Johansson. She still has hope for a Black Widow movie. I also still have hope for a Black Widow movie, but it's picturing her in a robe sipping chamomile palm pressed to the window as it rains just like (laughs) one day uh apparently she spoke to a variety recently and um she said you know i i do hope and and i do put forward ideas and i do talk to marvel about it all the time but she also mentioned that you know she's running out of time for how long she'll want to play the character and wear a skin tight cat suit so you know they gotta get on that they can't just expect her to hang around forever as the one of the only side characters to not have a movie. I mean, the new Thor. It's basically a buddy movie between Thor and the Hulk. Yeah, and I just learned who the dude directing it is. Yeah. I'm going to butcher his name, but I'm, so I'm not going to try. But he's a New Zealand director who did like all of Flight of the Concords. And I just saw something that said he's... A story today that he said basically Marvel let him do whatever he wanted and... Didn't really get that involved, and yeah, it's going to be like Flash Gordon throwback sci-fi. Which is amazing, because I, I love Flash Gordon. <laughs> so good. You know that's why Star Wars was made. Yeah. Okay, well, fine. That ended that conversation. <laughs> you got to have your detour. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and you don't have to explain anything at all. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> the reason George Lucas made Star Wars is because he couldn't get the rights to make Flash Gordon. Yes. The And also, he was really into Japanese film. And that's why they have lightsabers. Yes. And why Darth Vader's helmet looks like the samurai helmet. Yes. Speaking of Star Wars. Yes. This isn't so much a news story. It's just like an observation slash rant because there's nothing I love more than prodding Star Wars fans. You do love doing that. I do love it. Hey. Hey, Kate. Guess what? Oh, stop. Guess stop. what? No, stop it. Guess guess who still hasn't no. seen Force Awakens? Is it Jordan? It is Jordan. You know, I might make a watch of that now. I, th- I think that'll be a very, I think that one, one episode, that'll be like the only thing. Yeah. It'll just be, that's the thing. Jordan watches for it. Jordan finally watches Force Awakens. Rogue One. Yes. Another trailer dropped. I know, I know we have a rule. 
I know we're trying to embrace down with trailers. Yep. However, an interesting thing has been happening with these Rogue One trailers. Which is? And I watched them all back to back today. The first trailer to Rogue One Mm -hmm. was a movie I wanted to see. Uh Uh-huh. Rogue One, for those who don't know or don't care about Star Wars, I'm sure there's at least one of you out there. So if the actual Star Wars movies, the actual episodes, were like, the rule is you have to have a Skywalker in it for it to be a Star Wars movie, I guess. (laughs) Those were going to be about the continuing story of, you know, the Skywalker lineage. Uh, The terrible prequels were about Anakin. Kind of. The New Hope to Return of the Jedi was about Luke, and now we have whatever Rey's up to. But that Rey's not... You don't, you don't know that yet? Uh, not yet, but I don't think so. You don't so. know that yet? But Luke and Leia are in it. and like That's true, yeah. And Han Solo dies. <gasps> I can't believe you did that! Boom! Dropped it on you. <sighs> Somebody had to. Rogue One was going to be one of these like side stories. Yeah. Cause and they, they're planning a couple of them. Disney realizes, hey, that Marvel model thing might work with this Star Wars thing that already has a built-in revenue stream of billions of dollars yep. every year. So let's just keep on popping those out. Well, how are we going to do this? It's a rich universe. We X'd out all of that expanded universe stuff. So let's just start making some new ones. Such a rich universe. So this is going to be Rogue One, which was directed by Gareth Edwards. He who did a movie called Monsters and the 2014 Gojira Godzilla movie. Yeah. And this was basically going to be a Star Wars war movie. It was going to be about the crew who, for the Rebels, stole the plans for the Death Star that ended up in Leia's hands? Uh, no. But that's fine. <laughs> Whose hands did they end up in? Admiral uh, Akbar? <laughs> end up in his hands? Mothma's hands, actually. Didn't Godzilla fight Mothma? In- <laughs> <sighs> I can't remember her first name. <laughs> um, anyways, she's the one in the original... Uh, sorry, yeah, the original trilogy... I always say the first trilogy, and then people are like, do you mean one, two, three, or no, four, five, six? And I'm good, like, the, the good ones. original ones. Uh, the original trilogy, she's just the lady who's there, who's like, um, many Bothans died for this intelligence. It's presumably the redhead who's giving the orders in yes, and they p- the cast, Rogue One trailer. They cast an, a younger version of her amazingly well, mm. just, just from what the, I've seen from the trailer. So when you see the first trailer, it looks actually pretty dope. Yeah. Lots of action, lots of fighting, lots There's of lot, lots of tension. Lots of uh lots of warness, looking like saving private Ryan and shit, lots of ground level type. Yeah. Type fighting. They rattle out who do we know you're nerdier on this than I am? <laughs> like the character's name, the lead, the Felicity Jones um, character, what her name is? Yeah, I I do. I just can't think of it. Well, you're called Felicity for the sake of this conversation. When they're rattling off like all the crimes that Felicity has has committed. Yeah. There's just like a pause and she's like thought this was a rebellion i rebel fuck yeah you do (laughs) fast forward to the third trailer that came out this week now she's doing it for her fucking father and like we're sanitizing all the stuff that was dope in the first now there's been a lot of you know i don't pay attention to this as much as other people do yeah but it has burbled up in other places that even I would have heard about it. There have been a shit ton of reshoots about this movie. Yes. That Gareth Edwards did the movie he wanted to do. Yep. Handed it in. Somebody watched it and went, hmm. And then Tony Gilroy, who does like the Bourne movies, did a shit ton of resho- reshoots last June and like changed a bunch of stuff. And now the story of these trailers seems to tell like 
the shift from a really cool, interesting movie to, oh, it's another movie about hope and rebelling and fucking Vader's in it. And like, I'm not going to say I didn't mark out when Vader showed up because I'm a man of a certain generation and you're always going to mark out when Vader shows up. But I, I like the first movie. But it might be the first movie. Maybe the reshoots won't make that much of a difference. She this says, whole narrative about her fucking father. Is that and, new? That's in the third trailer. In the third trailer, you see like the Empire. Like, But is that new? Why would they have not put it in the first trailer? At because all? they were doing the something. The tone neat. is. Um, I got my tinfoil hat on for this one, Kate. <laughs> oh my god! I think you need a little bit more evidence than just like they just changed everything. And Copious that. amounts of reshoots, and now it's all about hope and love. And I think it was always about hope, Jordan. I just think there's too much riding on similar. You know what? You know what? Dark stories are the representation of my life. You always want to see like. You always want to see like whitewashing ran out and you're like, get Matt Damon the fuck out of that movie. Take the gamble. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you try a dark Star Wars story? Just try it. Just try it. There are some dark Star Wars stories. There are. Have you seen Star Wars Rebels? That doesn't count, Caitlin. I don't know. Television show. That kind of lived off on this other like, you know, Disney XD side of things for... It wasn't a bajillion dollar project that was getting it's like still going on. And the first expanded Star Wars thing to get thrown out. I think they got a look at what he was up to and went, mm, we better put some optimism in there because that's what the people come for. I think it was already always there. You know how the story ends. You know, they're all going to fucking die anyway, because they basically say as much in the. <laughs> no, they don't. You don't know. You ruined Rogue One. How did I ruin Rogue One? No, you didn't. I, looking out the window at the people who ruined Rogue One. Who are the people? The studios and oh, Disney. Those people. You don't know that yet. You have you have not seen it. Everyone else gets to have opinions about things, Caitlin. <laughs> I at least have three trailers to look at. It's true. I actually liked the new the the newer trailer. I it gave me some more information that I was hoping to get. What? What were you what were you dying to know? That you weren't getting. Just, I wanted to know more about, like, what the Empire was up to and, you know, her reasons for doing stuff and who these peop- other people were. And... Oh, no, her dad's Hannibal. That's important, I guess. You're, you're mixing your universes. And as you've always said... Yeah, because nobody knows who the fuck that guy's supposed to be. He's not a kid. Birds just flew off of the windowsill. Because you how... were yelling. Yes. <laughs> nobody knows who the fuck that guy's supposed to be. So don't try and shoehorn some sort of emotional resonance into your trailer. But, oh, I care now. I cared more when she was just a badass who wanted to rebel. Well, I don't think that was ever the case. Rogue One was fucking punk rock, <laughs> and you made it into New Wave. You don't know that. You have to see the movie. And Star Wars fans, stop eating every fucking bucket of slop that comes your way. I don't. I wish I loved anything the way that some of y'all love Star Wars. You do! I don't. You love perfume. Ain't no perfume coffee decanter that I'm about to buy. Though if there was, would you? No! Are you Do sure? I have the frying pan? Is there a frying pan? There is a frying pan. Oh, that's kind of amazing. It puts little cartoon versions of them on your <gasps> pancakes. That's amazing! But no, I don't have that. Is it because you don't have the money for it? Should I get it for your for your birthday? <laughs> no, I don't want it. What am I going to do with a fucking perfume frying pan? And what are any of y'all going to do with Star Wars everything? Some of y'all just having kids so you can force Star Wars onto them. Yeah, I said it. You think people are just having kids that they can force Star Wars onto I it. think it's being viewed as a nice ancillary benefit to the joy of, <laughs> joy of child rearing. Oh, jeez. I gotta get more Star Wars rants from you. They made me laugh. You ruined Rogue One. I'll never know because I'm not going to see it. 
I'm definitely not going to see it now. You might. I might make you. You're not going to pull a Kayim on me, are you? <laughs> no, because I see the things that I'm given. Good. Kayim. Are you done? Never, but I can pause for whatever you have next. I have Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh, That's this is got. 75 movies now? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things that are ballooning up. So, JK has confirmed that... <laughs> what? I think you know her well enough to call her JK. Well, what? I mean, everyone knows what I'm talking yes, yes. No, JK Rowling... I'm teasing. We know who she is. Um, has confirmed that she will write the four newly announced follow-up movies in the... Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Potterverse saga. She's writing the movies, like the scripts, or she's yes. going to write books that they will make no, into them. No, movies? she's writing the movie scripts. Oh. And I saw a little interview kind of behind the scenes about this, and she talked about how this was, if she was ever going to do anything with the Potterverse, this is where she wanted to tell mm -hmm. the story, sort of the past and what was going on in North America. And so it's, I'm, I'm very excited. I know a lot of people are probably like, oh, no, but I think it's going to be awesome. Potter was never scared to get dark? No, and a lot of people were upset about that. Let him. Let him get, get upset? Let him get upset. Guess what? What? They were fine, weren't they? The movies or the books? All of it. Uh, they came out all right. Is there anybody uh, still holding a grudge about that? Probably a couple people. When fucking Edward Cullen got gunned down at the end of the Triwizard Tournament? <laughs> You don't know any of the characters. <laughs> no. Cedric? Uh, Cedric. Diggory. Cedric, sure. Um, my big thing was serious dying. I mm. think I cried. I was. I think it was on the train, and I was <laughs> Whoa, bawling. Spoilers. Bawling my eye. Oh, come on. It has been years. <laughs> you have not read them by now, people. Get it together. Um, they have movies now. You don't even have to read it. You just have to watch it. That's what I saw. Uh, and I was on the train and I was bawling my eyes out and people were looking at me strangely. That's what you get on the train with me. I'm either crying about something or <laughs> laughing my ass off about something. I get yeah. looks no matter what. J JK didn't care about getting dark. No. I think it's important for kids to read dark things. I, I read, um, all the James and the Giant Peach and Matilda and the witches. Who was that? Roald Dahl? Yes. I read all that Rule Doll. That was dark. It was. It was real dark. I read. <laughs> I wasn't reading that, but I was reading like you know Dean Koontz and Stephen King when I was in like seventh grade. Like yeah, well that no this just was, what we had oh, lying yeah. around. I <laughs> I read a lot of Anne Rice in junior high. Could not do it. And uh, some of that got a little was probably I was probably a little young for that. Some of that. <laughs> probably. And then of course Animorphs, which also got dark. <laughs> And rights and animorphs. <laughs> well, animorphs was a little earlier, <laughs> but one side, one sphere you have animorphs on the other sphere you have Anne Rice, and as you move them together, the wedge of the Venn diagram, you get Caitlin. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And I think I will. I just, I mean, I wanted to bring that up because I thought it was interesting. I, I had heard before that they were going to make some more movies, but I thought it was going to be like a trilogy. <laughs> But now, no, they busting all out. They're like, we make five movies. Uh, I don't I mean, know what they're going to be about, but I'm really interested. If you're gonna like milk it that far, it's in good hands at least. Like, yeah, and I think she's not proven. You know, she hasn't pulled a Lucas, right? She hasn't like no. tried to expand the universe and completely shot it in no. from a cannon. She's done amazing jobs with the play. 
um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And all the Pottermore stuff that gets thrown up. You've been enthralled by, I know. Yeah. Um, And the movie looks like it's also a movie that's been getting lots of crazy trailers. So it started out with, there was literally a two second introduction to the title. And then it got, there was more and more and more. And now I'm going to say three quarters of the movie is out there in trailers. (laughs) But we'll see how it is. I think it comes out November? Same with Rogue One. Is it November? Rogue One comes out in December. It might be a Christmas Day thing. Oh, yeah. And then I think think, um, uh, the... Fantastic Beasts and where to come, uh, find them. I think they come that comes out in November. So there's lots of stuff coming out. Oh, Doctor Doctor Strange comes out in November. Doctor Strange is soon, if I recall. Yeah, November. <laughs> I guess, which I guess is only two weeks away. Oh my God, where did the time go? Right. Speaking of which, have you got any other news? Uh, it's barely even worth a mention, but the Twitter account to Rockstar Games, who are my heroes. In life and art, I've devoted probably more hours of my life to properties done by Rockstar Games than I have any other gaming franchise. Maybe Final Fantasy, but it's close. As they have been putting most of their effort lately, it seems like, into the Grand Theft Auto Online, which was the spin-off kind of online mode of GTA V, people have been wondering, y'all ever going to get back to Red Dead? Because Red Dead Redemption was surprisingly good. And has That's the m- cowboy one? Yes. Yeah. Grand, Grand Theft Horse. Um, <laughs> but was like, you go in thinking that, and it turns out to be like so much more than that. Right. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm just pausing because I'm having flashbacks of like the peacefulness of like writing. There wasn't like a lot of ambient music really in the game. Like, right. Just the, like riding your horse through like the Vista, <laughs> the Mesa, whatever, the southern United States. And like lassoing and <laughs> sick, like. sick shooting and getting in duels and stuff like that actually i think i might like this game i always say red dead redemption was the game that made me understand uh american conservatism <laughs> wow yeah. maybe i won't like the game that much no but... he's just like a side character he's like at one point your character i can't remember his name forgive me he meets somebody's father and he kind of goes on this speech about how you know they struck out west you know, they were claiming their, you know, whatever. And you know, they they fought for the land. They kept the land. They worked the land. They built this thing, this farm, this whatever they had. And now this so-called government comes along and they want to take, you know, X, Y, Z of what percentage of what we've built. Right. It's like, okay, in 18 whatever, I can kind of understand that logic. I don't think it flies in 2016. But... No. But as far as, like, the origins of the movement, it was the first time I ever really had got, like, a, okay, I can see why Someone that train upset. of thought might kind of get passed down some generations. Uh, and also had one of the best endings of a game ever. Cool. Like, tragically. You want to talk about, like, crying while you're doing something? Like, this was, like, whew. And, again, not afraid to get dark. Had the guts to go there. And what did you get? A richer narrative experience. Anyway. That was Red Dead Redemption. These games are always marked by a sort of i can't even describe the effect that they use for the games or like the promo art style but like it looks like it looks like a fence that's been painted right right different kind of like shades of red on it after years where the rockstar logo was just the standard you know black on yellow gta style right rockstar logo today they just threw up an image it was just the rockstar logo over 
the red fence painted style st- color shading right. that every gamer is going to know relates to red dead that's all they did and i like woke up to a text from my friend scott <laughs> I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> You sent me the link, and like that's all we have is just that, like the basis acknowledgement that, like, yeah, we haven't forgot about Red Dead, and something's I, probably going to come. I feel like that's what's going to happen when they finally release a Mass Effect, a new Mass Effect game. I'm just—they've already have announced a, a new Mass Effect. Game. I know, I know, but just like when it's come there, I'm just going to me- have a meltdown. Another fun fact? Yeah, never played those either. <gasps> You've never played Mass Effect. I never played Mass Effect. Mass Effect is amazing. I feel like I've I've picked it up and put it down at used stores many times over the years, but man, we may have to do another one I, of those. Then I like discovered Skyrim, and like all of my life went into that. Skyrim for, like, is also fantastic, months. but Mass Effect is so good, so good. Once again, news like this just goes to further prove that it's going to be another year where I put a PS4 <laughs> on my Christmas list and don't get one, and then I'm sad. Because, let me tell you, that Booker LT money was real nice. I can't buy a new console and feel good about it. No, because we're poor. Yes. And it's not... I had a figure in mind. Yeah. I was already thinking about it. Because I really want to get back to playing Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> um, I had a figure in mind. It was like, the royalty check comes in and it's X amount. I could spend this much on a PS4 and still be... Good to go. Still, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. It was not that amount. I can still get a console, yeah, but I'm not going to feel good about what's left over if I do. No. So, no console for Jordan. Womp womp. Womp womp. I'm sorry about that. Um, also, Red Dead Redemption was my first, like, where I really delved into, like, Rockstar's model of online. Oh, really? Play with other people. And I had friends who were playing it. Like, I don't usually, like, game with friends. I just yeah. game with randos who I find, whatever. My friend Amy and my friend Johnny and I would really enjoy... Um, finding like a canyon yeah this is so terrible to say you'd ride your horse full steam shoot your horse in the head at the last second so it would fling you off into the canyon and you try to see who could go further what is wrong with you guys yeah that was what? the that was the dick face move by the way shooting your horse was the was the dick face move you'd be going along minding your own business and telling yeah. your horse would just collapse because some dick face with a sniper rifle like randomly don't shoot people's horses because this was one of the you know grand theft auto and this one were one of the first where it was like it wasn't necessarily a campaign you could do like free mode and just run around the entire game world doing yeah. whatever you wanted with like you know 32 other people yeah um so you just be minding your own business and down goes the horse <laughs> that's awful and then oh but then i would turn into the fucking you know t1000 and i would just like well i'm not doing what i logged in to do today because my entire life now is about killing this motherfucker as many times <laughs> as possible and i would just like be a relentless machine of vengeance which is you know because you killed my fucking horse and that's a great setting for it don't kill my horse don't kill people's horses don't people. kill people's horses be better than that anyway red dead super exciting be excited for that whenever it comes out i just respect that rockstar doesn't play the game at all like a they don't crank out a game like every year no like the fucking assassin's creed comes out every year because they feel like that's what they have to do yeah they keep it moving rockstar took like you know five years between gta 3 and 4 or 4 and 5 and now it's like we feel like doing a red dead normally that would get announced at like e3 or gamescon or one of these like type of things no they'll just throw an image up on a random sunday in october like and just see people melt down yeah just doing their own shit they're not part of the insufferable games media machine which can be exhausting 
Yeah, I I used to play a lot more a while ago, and then I just kind of had to like tap out. A lot more what games in general? Yeah, I just couldn't do it. I run hot and cold. It, it's got to be, you know what? It's also because I like so many different types of games. Like yesterday, I just had this overwhelming urge to play Katamari Damachi, which I haven't played in years. So I'll probably go hook up my old PlayStation and play some Katamari. I like the old games. I don't need new games all the time. <laughs> yeah, honestly, word of a new Red Dead is just like, man, I haven't played the old Red Dead in forever. I just want to fire that up and yeah. see what will happen there. Anyway, games are cool. Games are cool. That's another way we geek down. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, there's your news, friends. I hope you enjoyed it. And when we come back from this short break, Caitlin and I, we're back to format. We are. We're going to talk about the things we brought each other. Kind of a left field week. Yeah, a bit. Not, none of the, not, not the usual bits that we would get into on the show. No, no, not at all. That may make for some interesting conversations, friends, and we hope you will join us for those conversations when we come back. See you soon. And welcome back to the show. This is the part where Jordan and I bring each other something and rate it, basically. Basically. And talk about it. Yeah. Um, but before we get into it, we have some rules. We do have rules. And we're back to formats. These rules are important. Non-negotiable. Wow. Jeez. Um, <laughs> the first rule is the rule of three. The rule of three. Which is the rule that whatever we give each other, if it comes in episodes or parts or chapters or, I don't know, books. Segments. Segments. We will consume three of those. This In this case, because the thing I gave Jordan was so massive... <laughs> He, you did two, I believe. I only watched two this week. Yes. I said that was fine. We talked about it beforehand. So in this case, the rule was slightly bent, but for good reason. Normally, though, give it three. Yeah. And I also thought that if he watched two, he would get a good idea of what the thing was about. Yeah. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. Save it for the pod. Which means that whatever it is that Jordan and I think... Or feel about the thing we gave each other. We will not talk about it until we are sitting here in front of microphones. Yes. It's important. Yes. Because the foundation of Jordan and my relationship is based on us yelling at each other on Facebook about television. It's amazing we even have a friendship remaining. Bizarre. Once we took that away. It's crazy. Now we just yell about the podcast. (laughs) The third rule is not really a rule. It's just... A policy, there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. Usually not so much in the first half of the show, definitely in the second half. I don't know if it's going to come up much in the thing we talk about that Caitlin brought me. Everything's kind of laid out. At least the major plot points are laid out pretty early on. And same with me. I, I feel like it's not it's not a spoilery type show you gave me. But if you are the type of person who does not like to know anything about the television you are about to watch... Then don't, don't, don't listen. You should leave now. Get, get out. 
I mean, Just it's pretty out. it's pretty rainy today. Go out, maybe get me a birthday present. Yeah. Go uh, go get buy an Amazon gift card or something. You can email it to me, geekdownpod at gmail dot com. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, or be, you know, be delighted. Eat some cheese on my behalf because I can't eat cheese anymore. <laughs> um, though, side note, mm. vegan cheese is not that bad, especially the melty kind. I didn't know that you had a opinion in the first place on vegan cheese. Oh. No, I, I didn't did. know that we're, we were coming around again on vegan we, cheese. We, I had that big rant about vegan cheese that time and how gross it was and disgusting. It was sort of like wet and damp. I got some new stuff. Excellent. Excellent vegan cheese. Happy to hear it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're ready to go. And I think we're starting with the thing you brought me. thing I brought Caitlin. Now, normally, friends, when we're geeking down, it's about nerdy stuff. Anime, comics, mm-hmm. science fiction, yep. space, fantasy, nature documentaries, tiny animals. <laughs> this is um none of those things. Although I guess I did say at one point that stand up was also and like comedy was a bit of a comedy nerd as well. Yeah. Not that this is necessarily the funniest show in the world. But... And and you know what? Television is sort of entered this golden age just and television in general i think when i was thinking about how i was tying this into the show it was just like i geek down about stories i just yeah. like stories and, and i like the what? different way that stories can be told i think because television has become such a big part of our modern lives um it, those are the stories we have so much of it uh it is something that people geek down about so because i just enjoy television on the whole, and I like a I like a good TV show. Yeah. And this is British. It is British. It's British. I thought, well, it's British. It's something I greatly enjoyed after hearing about it a few different places. I binged it basically in a night because it's six parts, half an hour each. It's about a three-hour runtime altogether. It's so like a really long, really good movie. It's Fleabag. If you follow me on any social media, you will know I was singing the praises of this show to anyone who would listen. This is a six-part, half-hour piece, comedic It's something it's a dark comedy. or other. It's a dark um, comedy. Written by and starring a woman named Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I mentioned it on the show before as well. I think it came when the hell did it come? It came on a random update once after I watched it. And I was like, this show's amazing. So this is a show, like I said, written and starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Based on a one-woman show she did at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2013, that she sort of expanded into a six-part series. Originally for BBC Three, it is got bought by Amazon. It yep. is airing on Amazon Prime in North America, and it is the story of Fleabag. That's her name. That's the only thing we ever really know her as, although I don't know if she's ever called that in the show. No. She's because I was looking out for it, and no, she never called. At least in the first three episodes. But all of the writing and show descriptions refer to her as Fleabag. Yeah, she is late twenties, maybe early thirties. It's never quite given. Her mother has passed. Her father has married, who was once her godmother. She has a sister. She doesn't really get along with. She co-owns a guinea pig themed cafe. It's not doing very well financially. She was running it. With her best friend, Boo. Boo no longer seems to be around for reasons that you will learn in the first episode and that we will probably spoil very shortly. Um, 
And when you start the show, you think it's going to be another one of these like women behaving badly shows a la girls, a la you're the worst, a la I'm sure there are others. As you see her kind of like, you know, she sleeps with a dude she just met in the early opening moments of the show. She gets caught by her boyfriend who breaks up with her after she's caught masturbating to a speech by Barack Obama. That does happen. Thought was amazing. She clearly has intimacy issues. My favorite moment in the first episode is when her sister tries to hug her. <laughs> she smacks her <laughs> and hand she away. freaks out and smacks her in the head inadvertently. Um, because she is going through a loss, which, as we find out by the end of the episode, her best friend, who she owned the cafe with, has died. Has kind of absurdly we killed sa- herself. We said we were going to spoil it. <laughs> but you find out in the first episode. Um, and there are details surrounding how she died that become more apparent as the show goes on. But she relates this story to a cab driver on her way home that her best friend, Boo, found out that her boyfriend was sleeping with someone else. And in an effort to try to, like, get his attention or, like, get him back. Yeah. Decided she wasn't trying to kill herself. No. She just kind of wanted to get, like, hospitalized. Yeah. <laughs> Still not a healthy move. But... No. So she stepped out into a into a bike lane. <laughs> to try to get dinged by a bike and then like she'd go to the hospital and he'd try to see her and you know she had it all planned out as fleabag says well she's relating the story turns out bikes go really fast yeah and then calls her friend a dick <laughs> and, and you know overturned into traffic three people were killed yeah including boo so it is what you think is just another standard you know woman behaving badly story is actually about processing grief and adds a lot of other things onto this show that i was not expecting while remaining really devastatingly funny yeah sometimes um because it's based on a one-woman play there is a lot of breaking the fourth wall she monologues to the camera a lot ferris bueller she breaks very fearless very ferris bueller she has the best like camera smirk she has the best she has the best faces since jim halpert on the office probably before i was like what my yeah. favorite one was when she meets the guy with the teeth on the bus. Yep. And he makes a joke about, like, he asks her why her boy, why she broke up with her boyfriend. She rattles off how great he was. And it's like, oh, no, yeah. he's really nurturing and supported me all the time. <laughs> yeah, that was just never going to work. And as a joke, he says, like, I'll be sure to treat you like a nasty little bitch then. And she yeah. looks like, really? She looks at the camera like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, I was, I was just joking, obviously. And she's like, oh, no, yeah, no, no, I get it. And then she looks back at the camera like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. I was just, normally I don't like that kind of, like, facing towards you know fourth wall breaking type thing it can be kind of hackneyed yeah she pulls it off in this i don't know this show was like nothing i was expecting it to be i was just one of my one of my favorite moments with the fourth wall breaking is when she's with her sister and she wants to try and ask for money Mm. and it's just i'm gonna do it i'm just gonna ask her i'm just gonna ask her i'm just gonna ask her i'm not gonna ask her it just it's done she does it so well she has amazing comedic timing She's, yeah, I don't know where this woman came from. Like I said, when I first talked about the show, the only other thing I knew her from was she was, you know, attorney two on Broadchurch. Yeah. Um, and she wrote two, she wrote and started in two series this year. Really? She had Fleabag and she had another show, which is also on Netflix called, fuck me, I can't remember the name, but it's about like people who live in like a hospital rent free or something like, oh. you'll find it on Netflix on the trending or what's new, you'll portion menu on your netflix you'll see it there okay but yeah she wrote two this year i don't know where she came from and fleabag was unlike anything i had seen i'd heard good things about it i said well, i'll check it out one night i got nothing to do and like gorge them i could not stop watching this show i loved it yeah. that much so kate yeah 
What'd you think of this? Amazing. Yeah, pretty good, huh? I, it's very rare to have a show that gets me to laugh out loud, and I was howling and really surprised. Like, it, it would come out of nowhere. And again, she has the best faces. The absolute best faces. And a lot of the fourth wall breaking is just her making a face at the, at the yeah, camera. Like it's, it's Halpert style, right? It's like yeah. Jim, it's, a, it's the reaction face. Like something has yeah. happened and she's just having a moment of like, what? Can you believe this shit? With you as a viewer. Like. Yeah. Um, and and it was really well written. And it, it's interesting because as you find out more about what's going on and her and what's happened, you realize that... There's a little bit of a downward spiral going on mm-hmm. when she steals the statue and it sort of, it becomes sort of, it's almost like circling the drain, right? Like yeah. it, things get worse and worse, but she, she doesn't seem to care. Nope. Um, yeah, she's not a good person. No, no. And I think part of that is she, obviously her father kind of abandoned her and her sister for this other woman mm. and her mom's gone and she doesn't seem to have any other friends. She has. No, she can't like get closer or well, her sister has got her own issues and is kind of yeah. like uptight. How did you like that relationship? I always wonder that, like not saying that you and Fiona have a similar relationship. Uh, we but... kind of do though i mean we're not those people the recoiling from a hug for some reason struck me as something that may have happened in the caitlin fiona relationship Uh, a long long time ago i don't think i remember the first time my sister in memory said i love you was in a card for my 16th birthday Hmm. like that that's how our relationship was um so now we hug and you know tell each other we love each other all the time and all of that but at that point there were times in my early 20s where my sister, like my sister for a long time hated being hugged. Mm. Like she would just make these like, oh, get off me, like sounds. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't do it. Or I, and sometimes I would do it just to piss her off. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of that. And then just thinking your sister is, you know, successful and perfect and beautiful. And I mean, Fiona does not have an eating disorder, <laughs> but that kind of, you know, she's just so perfect. Um, but also realizing that Fleabag realizes her sister has issues mm. and has problems. Um, so I did like that. The exchange between the stepmother and Fleabag at the sister's birthday party, where they're both undercutting. They're just having a normal quote unquote conversation. But, but everything, everything is, is a, is a sting. Got a, got a bit of shade dipped the, in shade. The line, um, you don't, uh, you don't need to be alone to be lonely. My father taught me that. Was just like, oh, oh, ouch. So yeah, the, all of again. There's so much. There, there are a lot of layers to the writing. Yeah. So basically, if that's if the dealing with the grief is the overarching like thing that hangs over the show, I guess the closest thing to a plot of the show itself, yeah, is she's going under financially. Yes. Like, things are going very bad. She has a meeting with a loan officer that does, does not, not go, go well, well. <laughs> for a few reasons. Um, so then she goes and meets her sister. And as Kate said, she she wants to ask her for money and then gets called on the fact that she'll need money and her pride won't let her just yeah. be like, yes, I would like some money. 
So she has nothing. She gets drunk and goes to her dad's house and has a conversation with the stepmom, who I believe when the show came up previously is being played by Olivia Coleman. Yes. Who is just relishing every moment she gets to play this character. It's not a very pleasant character. No. But I didn't find this show had any of like the super awkward like British stuff, like where it's like skin crawlingly awkward. No, no. I never really get, like it's not like extras where it's like, oh, my God, you people are awful. You know, a lot of these people are jerks, but yeah. it's not that bad. But yes, there's a mention that the stepmother fancies herself an artist. She's got this bronze, brass, whatever kind of statue of a bust. Yeah. That's just shelf size. It's probably only like, you know, eight inches tall or something. And the stepmother Fleabag comments on it. And the stepmother makes a comment about like, oh, it's actually pretty valuable. And Fleabag's like, oh, is it? Can I have it? Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. And she like kind of takes it away from her and puts it back on the shelf. And then you find out at the end of the episode that Fleabag has stolen the statue. And what's happening with the statue? And is she going to get money? How is she going to pawn it? What Who she ends up pawning it to? Yes. Where it ends up and how it gets back. That statue is kind of, and whether or not she gets found out as being the one who stole it from her own family is kind of the, and the she plot doesn't, of the series. And whereas someone else might be anxious or nervous about us, she doesn't care. Her dad comes to see her about the statue at the cafe <laughs> and asks her if she's taken it. And she's like, nope. no. <laughs> No, that's so weird. Which which statue? Which statue? Um, so there's just I, I feel there's just a self destructive undertone to that. <laughs> my fa- my favorite moment of just like her like you are just like you don't understand anything about people is when she does get back with the ex. Yes, and a he <laughs> wants them to stop masturbating, which is she she really likes sex and masturbating, which I also think is fantastic. And he's not. Uh, not really that into it no and he he considers masturbating to be cheating it seems like and yeah he she should only want him and so a let's give up masturbating b let's surprise each other once, once a day every day to his mind it's like leaving flowers or leaving a little thing to her it's putting on a ski mask <laughs> and startling him in the shower and with a knife. a knife yeah to startle him and she, to her, she literally thought, well, we're surprising each other every day. It's just a surprise. It's me. And he starts like crying in the shower and then apologizes to her yeah. for crying. Oh, my God. And that's when you realize, like, she just is, like, completely disconnected from yeah. humanity. Like, she's not a good person. But she's so compelling. Yeah. You still just want to see what the hell's going to happen with her. super charismatic and super – and again – I can't get over the faces. There were p- faces she pulled that I had me in hysterics. And the, again, the timing is just so good. Um, that's the other thing I can't get over, the pacing. And because I, you know, I watched these three episodes back to back, you could see the pattern of people saying things and then asking her if she was okay. And her just being like, yeah, I'm fine. Honestly, I will say, I only had time to rewatch the first one just to kind of like recalibrate myself so I could have this conversation. Yeah. When you've seen the whole thing... Yeah. And you watch, I don't want to say it's not funny at all anymore, but when you watch the first episode knowing everything that happens, yeah, it's ooh, it's just like, I'm jabbing myself in the chest with a pen because it's just like, ooh, yeah, she's not in a good place. Like, no. the entire scene with the sister, that's probably, that's the one I noticed, where yeah. they're like, after the lecture, their father pays for them to go to these feminist lectures. Yeah, because that's how he dealt with the, as she says, with uh, he dealt with having two motherless children is to abandon them, uh, sleep with their godmother, and pay for them to go to these feminist, feminist lectures. lectures. 
And the lecturer is like, how many of you would take five years off of your life for the perfect body? body. And both her sister and her are the only two to put their hands up. Shoot up immediately. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, after the after the lecture, there's a moment where like she was wearing the sister's top that she said she lost five years ago or something. Yeah. And the sister's like, I want my top back. <laughs> like walks out of the bathroom, hands it to her. There's an awkward pause and the sister goes like, are you okay? Going into the story cold, yeah, you're not really going to know, like, well, what was that about? Like, you, you'll feel that there's something there. You probably think it has to do with the mom or something, because yeah. she mentions the mom has passed. You don't know everything that's happened with the with the best friend. But yeah, watching it a second time is like, oh, God, <laughs> this, this show is yeah, show is heavy. And, and you start to notice, especially when she has these flashbacks about the friend and stuff, how alone she is. She doesn't mm. have any other friends. Nope. She has... You know, her sister, who she awkwardly sees every once in a while. Um, and that's really about it. Like, she doesn't really see her dad or her stepmom that much. They happen to be at the sister's birthday party, but... I think the other sense you get is that of that is when... Does, the sister asks her to go for a drink after the lecture. Yeah. She says no. Yeah. And then asks a stranger who... <laughs> the sister's like, okay, fine, 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 fine. And, you know, I'll see you when I see you. And, like, leaves her there. And she stands there and looks awkward. And a stranger walks by. And she <laughs> goes, like, do you want to go for a drink? <laughs> and she ends up calling the dude she met on the bus just to go out. And when he, like, <laughs> refuses, he refuses to, like, go home with her, basically, yeah. or take her home. And she keeps throwing out, like, no, I'll just get a cab. No, it's fine. And he's like, well, I kind of have to be up early, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she, he's just like, what is your fucking problem? He's like. I like you. Yeah. She's like, oh, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> and like gets up and leaves and he hands her. It's like, oh, wait, you dropped this. And it's like a five to 20 pound note that she stole from him. Yeah. Out of his wallet. But it's the scene after that where she's waiting for the cab and the drunk chick. Yeah. Is laying by the thing with like her tit out, which I thought yeah. was an interesting touch. Um, again, this whole idea of like, there's something going on with her. This drunk woman is like off her ass. Yeah. And stops and looks at her. You know, Fleabag has been like, you know, are you okay? And she's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And stops and looks at her and is like, are you okay? You look really sad. Um, As she's helping her into the cab, Fleabag just kind of stops and goes like, do you want to come home with me? Yeah. Like, that's how desperate she is for somebody to, like, go home with. Like, this drunk, totally obliterated woman. Yeah. It's like, well, it's better than nothing. Like, got to go home with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was just totally floored by the show. I was... It was like few things I'd seen in recent memory, and I'm I'm desperate to watch the next three episodes. Yeah, like I'm absolutely chomping at the bit to watch the next three episodes. You, uh, I'm in for a wild ride. Might want to grab a Kleenex box. All right, I'll grab a Kleenex box. I'm going to tell you one thing because I want the listeners to know too. I think it's episode four. It's kind of a bottle episode. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and there are plot points that I won't get into, but. The father has paid for them to go to a silence retreat. Yes. Well, you talked about that a couple episodes ago. Uh, I don't know if I said it. I may have said it off mic, but yeah, they go to a silence retreat where they're not supposed to speak. Yeah. But near the estate they're on is like a a sort of retreat for like men who've been charged with sexual harassment to work out their misogyny. Yeah. And part of that involves like, you know, just getting it all out, like yelling at like a <laughs> inflatable doll or a mannequin <laughs> or something. So they'll be sitting there trying to meditate and it's like. It's like, just breathe out all the stress. And off in the distance, you just hear, slut! <laughs> Gone! <laughs> There's flea- Again, you you like the flea bag faces? You're yeah. going to get some good ones in those moments. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, the show does the show does things I was I had never seen done before. And again, you know, why do we need different stories for shit like this? No man was ever going to be able to write this story. And it's, it's yeah. amazing. And 
stories like this deserve to be out there and shared with the viewing public and with Caitlin McKinnon. Yeah. Well. It's the time for. Hand them down. 9.5. 9.5. The only reason is because I want to see the next half. Let's see if it sticks it. Yeah. Fair enough. I want to see if it sticks the landing. Um, I don't know. Ratings wise, what how it's doing. Um, they want her to do more. Like she wrote it as a play. So it was yeah. always kind of a finished story in her head. Yeah. But actually listen to her on another podcast. She gave, she's exceptionally charming on, on in interviews. Yeah. Um, she was out having her, her LA month where she yeah. was like taking meetings and everybody wants to work with her and whatever. And somebody asked her, like the interviewer asked her, like, have you given any thought to season two? And she's like, I hadn't really, but the way I think about it is like, well, she's going to wake up tomorrow. Yeah. What's that going to look like? Like that's a, that's what started firing in her head. Like she had it as a complete from the play into the show. She had it as a complete story. And part of her was like, well, it'd be nice to just leave it like that and leave it alone and just have told that story with that character. But yeah. this character is going to wake up tomorrow. Like, so what's going to happen tomorrow? That's really her? That's a really neat idea or a neat way yeah, to it's think a cool, about it. Yeah, it's a cool way to think about it, I thought. So that's where she's at. Will we get more Fleabag? I don't know. But you can get all the Fleabag there is now on Amazon or the BBC Three or Nefarious Means, Canadians. I don't know. Nefarious, Nefarious Means. I don't know how you have to go about it, but I think Caitlin and I both would strongly recommend you check it out if you can. Absolutely. All right. And on to what I brought you. Yes. Which was another British series. It was The Fall. Surprising from you. Yeah, because I don't like... It's, it, it is... The Fall is technically a thriller, but it's also a crime drama. And I love crime dramas. Not so big on the thriller aspect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was watching it like, <laughs> she watched this? Yeah, I didn't find it... It's a little intense for her, isn't it? I didn't find it intense. No? I think, and I'll get into this, I think it's because you see both sides mm. of what's going on. Um, but anyways, to get into it, <laughs> The Fall was written and created by someone named Alan Cubitt. I think that's how you say his name. I think so. Um, I don't know what else he's done. It didn't really, Wikipedia did not have any information <laughs> on Alan. So, but he's created The Fall. There is Series 1 aired in 2013 and Series 3 is airing right now. Oh, is it? Yes, it is. It stars Gillian uh, Anderson as DSI Stella Gibson and Jamie Dornan, who you would know as Christian Grey. Christian Grey. Or if you like John Oliver, not my Christian Grey. Um as serial killer Paul Spector. Yes. And that's the thing. I saw this before the whole um, Christian Fifty, 50 Shades of Grey. So when he was cast, all I could think was, uh, ser serial killer. Um, I actually haven't read the books or seen the movie. So I don't even know if he did a good job. But that's <laughs> that's what went through my mind. Um, the story is basically about DSI Gibson being sent to Northern Ireland in order to assess the progress of a murder investigation. While she's there, they figure out that they have a serial killer on their hands. It's not just a one-off. And it basically traces the investigation as well as um, the killer's side of it. And that's what I mean by both sides are shown. Basically, you see their investigation and sort of what's going on in her life and then you see him going about killing and what's going on in his life mm -hmm. and because he's married he has two kids he yeah. has he has a job he has he has a job as a counselor <laughs> for bereaved people yeah which is strange um 
but yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I love Gillian Anderson, and I thought she was amazing in this role. Yeah, good role for her. And cause she has so much power behind her. And I don't know. What did you think, Jordan? So as we said at the top, I've only seen two episodes of this. The season is five episodes. Yes, I the think. first season is five, second season, and third season are both six. Okay, and they are solid hours. Yes, they are. Um, not like 45 minutes with commercials. No, 60 minutes, beginning to end. And this is why I only watched two, because I think by the time Kate and I actually said, like, hey, what are we going to watch this week? I just handed her a flea bag. Like, it's, it's Thursday. No big deal. Yeah. Here's flea bag. Caitlin's like, you're going to watch The Fall. Cool. Fired it up on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Fired it up. I'm like, 60? My God, I got shit to do. I can't. But that said, I did get through the first two. I'll put it out there right now. Probably going to keep watching it. Oh, okay, cool. Because um, it's trying to do... I'm not going to say it always pulls it off, but I respect that it's trying to elevate its own conventions. Yes. I guess. So it should be said, yeah, you have, if you're going to do a story like this, you have two roads you can go down. You can go whodunit or you can go cat and mouse. Yeah. And they have chosen to go cat and mouse. Yes. Which is. Though I would say, and this kind of plays into your, they're trying to elevate it or change it a bit. This is not cat and mouse. This is wolf and wolf. Perhaps. I'm only two in. I don't know yeah. how, it's, how that's fully going to shake out. Jillian Anderson is playing in the mold of many who came before her, the difficult man character. Yes. You know, she's the all business. She does her job exceptionally well. She sleeps with another detective and then kind of dumps him when yep. she gets the sense that like, oh, you actually like had an emotion about this? Nah, son. Bye. Yeah. Has a hell of a push-up bra. Hell of a push-up bra. Listen, Jillian Anderson, she ain't exactly a spring chicken, but prayer hands emoji. <laughs> <laughs> applause <laughs> applause for that Jillian Anderson uh no she's playing that type of you know difficult cop yeah. character which you don't see a woman play that very often no and mercifully nobody seems to give her a lot of shit about it at least not that I've seen so far maybe yeah. they do later but nobody's like mumbling that she's a bitch under their breath type of thing it's just like kind of accepted that she's a hard nose what accent is she playing where's she supposed to be from England is she from England she's okay. English um did we say it's set in Belfast um, I said Northern Ireland, okay. which it is set in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And actually, that's part of the things sort of get difficult later on. Um, part of that, I always feel, is because she is English. Mm. And the Irish don't particularly like the English. No, they don't. Um, so there will be these kind of elements where, as Caitlin said, she's brought in to kind of check in, be a objective outside party kind of evaluating the progress on this murder case of a woman because named Alice Monroe. It's been over, I think it's over like 28 days, so they bring someone else in. Is that how it works? Yeah. And she, another murder catches her eye and she starts thinking they might be connected. And the police establishment is like, no. Yeah. Do not link these together. And there are political PR reasons. Like the, It delves into the reasons why the police establishment does not want those linked. Yep. The initial sense I got was they don't want them linked because like the superintendent's son was suspected of killing this Alice Monroe murder. I hope that's not the only reason. Like I said, you're trying to elevate it. Like you're trying to have like the bureaucratic elements yep. that something like the wire would deal in. But then it's like, Oh, is it just kind of for a soapy reason? Like it's somebody's kid who's suspected in the murder. And I don't know what's going on on that side of things. There was a scene where, like, he was throwing a party and he really wanted his dad to come and he's doing rails of coke in the bathroom and yeah, bringing out stewardess prostitute strippers. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's going on <laughs> in that in that plot yet. 
There's a secondary plot about this, the cop who Jillian Anderson ends up sleeping with. He has his own case that he was working on about this, like, double homicide or somebody got killed. Yeah. And they brought him in. There's illusions that it may be, I don't know if the politics of Ireland come into this show much at all. It seemed like that might have kind of been alluded to somewhat in that storyline. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but not really. Not really? And you have your main storyline, which is the fact that uh, Christian Grey really likes killing brunettes. Yep. He really does. And you see his thought process and how he... I mean, you, you start to get that... His his organization and that kind of thing. And for some reason, I really like that as well. And I will give the show credit for... I had moments where... Not that I was like trying to hate on it for the sake of hating on it. Yeah. But I remember saying to myself, like, you know, as he's posing them nicely or whatever type of thing, because he'll strangle them and then he'll, like, do them up and pose them yeah. sort of thing and, like, leave them there. Thinking to myself, like, dead bodies shit themselves. Like, that's a difficult thing to do to, you know, set up a corpse like that. There are things you have to deal with yeah. in dealing with dead bodies. But the show addresses that. Yep. There Somebody mentions that when they're looking at the latest corpse, the the Archie Punjabi character. Nice to see her show up from The Good Wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, she plays like a medical examiner or something. And she like makes the comment that, you know, normally when bodies are, when people are strangled or like they defecate, they urinate, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Jillian Anderson realizes like, no, he's been washing them. Yeah. That's a plot point. When they finally take the body of this murder victim, Sarah Kay, back to the morgue. Again, minor touch, but I like this attention to detail when they like... So they have her like laying on the body bag and then it's time to move her like off the body bag onto the slab. Yeah. Her body is rigid. Like you can tell when they set the body down that it's rigid. Yeah. Because rigor mortis is set in because the body's been sitting there for a while. Little details like that. I kind of enjoyed. Yeah. I like that even though Christian Grey is clearly a deplorable character, he's kind of a good dad at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you see him with his daughter, and he's like, he's a great dad. He just likes killing brunettes. Yeah. And maybe fucking babysitters. I don't know where that's going yet, but. Yeah. It's, it it's, and that's why I like both sides of it. It's kind of like a more intelligent, better version of Criminal Minds. Because mm. Criminal Minds does that, right? You see them and their research and what they're looking into, and then you see the murderer and the murderer's life, and it kind of, you sort of see the nets closing in Mm -hmm. and the closing of the nets like on both sides and that's what i really like as well and i i liked the characters it's a very it's definitely a an intense show it's not it is fun no um (laughs) it's not not a good time and it's and it's not Not, a show not a lot of laughs i don't think i heard a joke once in the entire two episodes and i wouldn't suggest watching it in like in couple of hours spurt like i wouldn't that's not a show yeah i i think i watched it over like a couple months Mm. like i it was something i would come back to every once in a while because i really did enjoy the characters and the writing and it is good for those who really like crime shows i wouldn't recommend it for someone who wanted something i don't know a little bit more chasey yeah you really have to be okay with the like you're going to see some women get brutally murdered yeah. on this. And I did think the scene where, so he, he, he stalks them a bit beforehand. It seems like yes. like in the opening 
scenes of episode one, the inevitable victim comes home and like, she can tell somebody has been there. Some of her intimates have been laid out in the bed sort of thing. And she calls the cops and she talks to the cops for a while. And then because reasons, I don't know. She does not vacate the premises and like go to live with her sister for a while. Yeah. And then inevitably gets murdered and the intercutting of like the two beat cops who she called kind of being like, oh, maybe we should go check up on her type of thing. Trying to ring the doorbell while she's being murdered inside the house. I'm like, yep. sometimes I might take issue with this and think this is too pat or too cute, but it's actually kind of tragic and it's bumming me out. Yeah. Um, as when Sarah's sister comes to check on her and ends up finding the body and puts her baby down on the bed and is realizing that her sister's in. I was like, yep. please move the baby away from the corpse, please. <laughs> Get the baby away from the corpse. Just please get the baby away from the corpse. Um, but you run the risk and it's not doing this yet. And I hope it doesn't when you do like a cat and mouse because we, the viewer, know everything. Yeah. It can be frustrating if it means that then you're dealing with like police ineptitude and you're watching the police like fuck up and not catch the guy when we as viewers are like, but he's right there. Like, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. And I'm not going to ruin it for you. But from what I remember, it's not like that. It'd be delicate to balance, especially when Anderson's kind of been set up as like this, you know, borderline spectrum super cop sort of thing. But that kid, like you said, that character is really good. She plays it really well. You will not, you will not watch her performance and be like, oh, that's Dana Scully. Like, no, no, no. Which can, which you can bump into sometimes when you have an actress or an actor who's played a, you know, such a notable role like that. You don't see her as Dana Scully. You see her as, you know superintendent gibson like yeah dsi gibson DSI Gibson, and you don't want to mess with her it's a totally different character i really like the scene she had with the reporter in the hotel bar like yeah she said she's had a few good scenes in there and i think that's one of the ways that the show is getting around frustrating a viewer with like police ineptitude is that there were surprising amount of i guess you you have an hour for every episode but it's a lot of plot threads going through like i said i rattled off a few of them a few minutes ago there's a lot going on and there's enough there that I want to know the answer to that, like you said, might not be a binge watch. Yeah. Might be like a, okay, I've got nothing to do. I want something. It's it's a meaty watch. Yeah. I kind of want something meaty to, I, to sink into. I remember I would I would sit and, I don't know what I was doing or, or why I was alone, but I would watch it alone. Oh, I think I was watching it at my dad's actually. <laughs> and like, he'd go off to bed and I'd like have some popcorn, some snacks. And I'd be like, I kind of want something thriller-esque and crimey and so i'd watch that but i think and this is a good example of like sometimes you can feel like you've exhausted your netflix options yes and i feel like this is a good example of a show that's just kind of sitting there it's just like a good show that's just kind of sitting there that maybe you would not have thought about yeah Um, Um, i didn't even know it was there i had a vague recollection of the show's existence from the him getting cast as Christian Grey because it's the only thing. Oh, he's from The Fall. I was like, sure, that's a thing. That's a thing. Um, then Caitlin gave it to me and it was like, oh, it's just been sitting on Netflix this entire time? I wish I had known that earlier. Yeah. I probably would have gotten to it on my own earlier had I known it was there. Um, the um, the thing that strikes me being similar on Netflix, just for those who are interested, is Bloodlines. Mm. It also is very similar in that. It just kind of sits there, but it's really intense. <laughs> the problem with Bloodlines now that you, is that you desperately want to know what happens so, may, if you don't have some time to spare, you might not want to watch that right away. Watch the fall instead. So, what is your rating for the for the show? Uh, I'm give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. 
Okay, that's I'm higher than I thought. I'm inclined to give it an 8.5, but I've only seen two episodes. Yes. So if I'd given it three, I probably would have felt more comfortable giving it that rating. But yeah, I kind of liked everything that was going on there. It's not peak TV. Like when, no, no, Like it's when not. you say it's, you know, it's not on the level of like, you know, the, the wire or any of these. But it's it's also not as base as like a CSI no. or an NCIS or a Criminal Minds or any show like that. Like there's... Yeah. More, it has higher aspirations and bigger concerns than that, and actually yes. kind of feels like it has some things it wants to say about these things above and beyond your basic serial killer chasing a serial killer story. I do is three seasons of this. Uh, third season is happening right now, and they're chasing him the entire the entire time. No, okay, all right. I'll tell you oh, more after. Okay, no, yeah, okay, Just leave, right. leave that there. I actually, I don't know anything about third season i haven't seen any of the episodes i thought after second season it was kind of like there were some loose ends ish but i thought it was basically done Your basic points were and done. i was i'm actually surprised there's a third season going on but hmm. yeah because yeah that's the, like i said when you when it's all out front and the viewer knows everything you got to be careful how long you want to stretch you know your your noble protagonist trying to catch this person because you can yeah. end up frustrating a viewer when it's like just just how have you not figured this out yet yeah but if you're telling me that it's not you know, 15 episodes of no, it is not. them chasing Christian Grey. I'm interested in that. I might see how that plays out. Well, well, solid, solid outings for both of us today. Yeah. Solid outings for the UK this week. Good job. Good job, Britain. I've got some updates. Good, because I do not. Um, We already talked about Food Wars. <laughs> uh, probably update more next. I actually might take a break because um, I'd like... Like I said, overload of fan service. Um, I watched Zootopia. It's on Netflix for those of you who are interested in Zootopia uh, by Jordan's face. He is not. Because I have like a vague, I can't, you know, between Madagascar and uh, the the other one, Ice Age, you know, it's animated animal movie number four, right? I can't remember what this is. Oh, no, this is the Disney one. Yes. Right. It's so much better. I would actually recommend you taking a look at it. It is so much fun. It was so well written. Really, really enjoyed it. And it's just good. It's just a feel good all around movie. All right. Also a crime drama. Um, (laughs) With rabbits. Yeah. And I watched Assault on Arkham or Batman Assault on Arkham, which was, I think. DC animated movie number 470. Exactly. I think it was them testing the waters for before Suicide Squad came out because it's a Suicide Squad movie. All right. And it was okay. I would say if anyone's really interested in DC, um, take a look at it. But it had some issues, and I feel like maybe I shouldn't write for television, but I should definitely be a script doctor, because <laughs> I could have fixed that, that movie right up. Uh, there is, But it, it also was a little bit of fun, though. And it was gory, like super gory and sexy. Carly Quinn and Deadshot get it on. <laughs> It's yeah, it was it was fun. All right, that's what you got. That's what I got. I do have one update. Oh, it's not about a thing that's ever come up on the show, but um, this sitcom called The Grinder ended up on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, did you ever watch that when it was on? It got no, can- it ran no. for one season, got canceled this year. No, I didn't. Um, but I'd heard some thing good things about it, and I did watch the first few episodes, and then forgot about it, and then I saw it on Netflix, <laughs> and I was like, this is a good way to spend a Saturday and watch like the entire thing. Um, it's basically Rob Lowe plays a actor on like a lawyer e-drama oh yeah and then i don't remember why he if the show gets canceled or if he leaves it or why he leaves it but he he leaves the show yeah and moves back to like iowa with his 
to move in with his brother to try and like recalibrate. And his brother's played by Fred Savage. Yeah, and his brother's actually a lawyer. His brother's actually a lawyer. And a decent lawyer, but has no, like, charisma or pageantry. Yes. He, like, reads off of cue cards, where his brother is not a lawyer, but can deliver a hell of a closing argument. Yeah. So it's basically dealing, Fred Savage dealing with his, like, delusional brother who, like, wants to be a lawyer. It's like, but you're, you're not actually a lawyer. Like, you're not allowed to speak yeah. in the courtroom. And the chemistry those two have is, Fred Savage is, like, an amazing straight man. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know... I mean, years of playing befuddled Kevin McAllister has <laughs> has done him well. The moment I keep talking about was he lightly suggests to Rob Lowe that maybe it's time to find his own place if he's going to, like, stay. Yeah. It's not reinventing, you know, it's a sitcom. It's not reinventing the wheel. Maybe he wants to get his own place if he's going to be staying in Iowa. Yeah. Um, Rob Lowe, of course, gets so dramatic. You don't, <laughs> you don't want me here type of thing, whatever. And he leaves. And then they're simultaneously kind of working on a case. And, like, at midnight, Fred Savage gets this text that Dean is the Rob Lowe character wants to talk to him. So he goes out and he's like, why, why are we outside? <laughs> and they're standing by his car and he's like, I didn't, I didn't want to cross the boundary. I know where I'm not wanted, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they like have this moment. He tries to convince him of something. And Fred Savage is like, no, we're not going to do that. And Rob Lowe's like, I thought, I thought this could be different. I really thought this could be different. Now I know. Now I know. And he just turns around and walks <laughs> away. And Fred Savage is like, did you want like? Did you want me to move your car? Like you drove. You're you're just gonna leave. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna leave your car here. Okay. Because he's walking away. Because that's the dramatic. Yeah. Thing. That's the dramatic thing to do. And it's the Fred Savage character. And actually, his wife is played by. I think she was on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right. Um, and is married to Charlie Day in real life. But the vibe they have is like the husband and wife. And yeah. the way they riff with each other is really good. So there's enough going on there where like again, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's a dumb sitcom. It's on the level like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something, but like... Hey, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is amazing. I know how you feel about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but it's not at that level, but it's fun enough. If you want something to watch two episodes of while you're eating your dinner, that's going to give you enough larfs, eh, check out The Grinder. It's sitting there. Okay. It's something to check out. All right. Well. Well. Efficient. Even if we're still running an hour and 40 minutes before, yeah. before edits, before but efficient. Edits. we got to get the fuck out of here. Caitlin's yeah. got a hard out. D&D season is it back. It is not D&D. What are we playing? Um, it is a game that Misha, who is a genius game master, he has the, he's created the world. We're using the Firefly system. Sure. Um, and But we are setting it in a superhero world. Okay. I am a speedster superhero, right. but I am a stoner. And it is going to be hilarious. I'm super excited. And this is our first game set in, in that world. Well, shit, we got to wrap this up. We don't have yeah. time for you anymore, people. It is role-playing season. Well, another fantastic episode of The Geek Down. Like we said, Fleabag is out there somewhere for you to watch. The Fall is on Netflix. Check those both out. We highly recommend them. If you would like to get at us for any reasons, we are Geek Down Pod on most, if not all, of your socials. Email us, geekdownpod at gmail.com. Twitter, at geekdownpod. Tumblr and the Facebook group www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. Get at us there. It's the only way to talk to Caitlin. She does not exist on the internet I any other way. I don't. If you'd like to yell at me about anything, I am at Jordan underscore Ferguson on your Twitters and your Instagrams and all that sort of business. So that's just going to do it for another episode. Thank you so much for joining us, friends. It really does mean the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. And we will be back with you next week for another episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Don't shoot people's horses. Bye.
Um, and the Facebook group. I'm going to sneeze. It. <laughs> well, there's the tag. <laughs> no. <laughs> I swear we didn't have one. And now uh, we do. What were we saying? 